0: Good morning, everyone. This is the DOLW3 podcast. We are a group of watchers in the Diocese of Lansing. We are a voice for those with no voice in the church. Um, I'm reminded by Oscar Romero. He said Oscar Romero is was a bishop in El Salvador, and he was actually um, murdered in his church. The ones who have a voice must speak for those who are voiceless. And it is in his spirit that we continue this uh, ministry. Um, so with that, uh, let's begin with a prayer today. This was an intercessory prayer that um, I, I, I got in the um, the um, bravery from the church yesterday, actually. It says, Father, you sent the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts. Hear us as we pray. Enlighten your people, Lord. You gave the disciples of your only begotten Son the Spirit, the Spirit's gifts of understanding through the same Spirit. Keep the church faithful to you. And that's what we are asking for here as laity in this ministry is um, for our good shepherds, for our the shepherds of the church to give us the doctrine of the faith and um, the sweet milk, as Pope Francis says, we are asking for the true teachings of the church. And as we read Randy Angles today, let us be reminded of what are the true teachings. Um, you who sit in the pews and all this is going on, these things around us, um, prayer is very important, but I think we each have an, o- <clears throat> an obligation to ask, ask our priest, for the proper teachings on especially the subject um, of a homosexual network in the Catholic Church and how we are to proceed forward and what are the true teachings of the church. Not what society is telling us, but what the true teachings of the church are. So as we continue today in our um, podcast, it is our 75th podcast, um, I want you to uh, meditate on this. This is by St. Augustine. He who does all that is allowed will soon do what is not allowed. And as we read Randy Engel's um, volume four, which today we may finish it, we are um, getting close to the end of it. So um, consider, consider um, the things that we've talked about. Consider, um, you know, what, <clears throat> what is allowed, what is not allowed. And um, also today in our podcast, The General Means of Perfection. We're going to talk about that and um, and what what the general means of uh, perfection are. Okay, so with that, let us begin with Randy Angles today. We've got a lot on our plate today. So we're going to be reading from The Rite of Sodomy, Homosexuality, and the Roman Catholic Church, Volume 4. The Homosexual Network in the American Hierarchies and Religious Orders by Randy Ingalls. We are on page 1069. We have been in the chapter of New Ways Ministry, a study in subversion. And we have been reading the, um, <clears throat> the notes on the Mata Commission's report. So we are in the year of 1999 at the top of the page. January 25th. Nugent sends a letter to Archbishop Bertone, Secretary of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome. He states that he will not sign the profession of faith of the CDF and instead submits an alternative document that is rejected by the CDF. He says he wants the investigation to end and his ministry to homosexuals to continue. February 11th. Grammick and Nugent present a seminar on Always Our Children under the auspices of the Catholic Parents Network in Springfield, Illinois, at the invitation of the homosexual bishop Daniel Ryan. They also give the same presentation in Palm Beach, Florida, under homosexual bishop Joseph K. Simmons. Pope John Paul II approves of CDF notification on Sister Grammick and Father Nugent and orders it printed. On July 1st, Father Nugent and Sister Grammick are summoned to Rome by their superiors. July 9th, Archbishop Vincent Faglio sends an advance copy of the CDF notification document to the President of the NCCB slash USCC. I don't know if you all know or remember what the CDF is, but that's the Congregation for the um, for the Doctrine of the Faith. Okay, July thirteenth, the Vatican releases the seventeen word seventeen hundred word statement of the Congregation for Doctrine of the Faith on May thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, titled "Notification from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith." regarding Sister Janine Gramic, SSND, and Father Robert Nugent, SDS, concerning the final disposition of the Gramic and Nugent case. The Vatican rules that the Gramic and Nugent are permanently prohibited from any pastoral work regarding homosexual persons, and they are ineligible for an undisclosed period for any office respective of religious institutions. No disciplinary action, however, is taken against the superiors of the school sisters of Notre Dame and the Salvatorians who knowingly aided and abetted Grammick and Nugent in their homosexual apostolate for more than three decades. In a later clarification, Cardinal Ratzinger, prefect for the CDF, states that the two religious are certainly prohibited from an involvement with workshops, retreats, liturgical celebrations, and any other pastoral initiative for homosexual persons, liturgical celebrations, and any other pastoral initiative for homosexual persons or their parents. On the matter of their writings and publication of books, Ratzinger states that the canonical norm presently in force Binding on all religious must be observed. Finally, with regard to Father Nugent, Ratzinger said that the priest may continue to preach and administer the sacraments, but not for gatherings of homosexual persons. Bishop Joseph A. Fionza, well, let's see, Fiorenza of the Diocese of Galveston, president of the NCCB, issues a statement on the disciplinary action taken by the Holy See against Sister Grammick and Father Nugent. He declares that the American bishops share a commitment to homosexuality ministry. Fiorenza said that the Mata Commission did not find their ministry to homosexuals to be without positive aspects, and he added, The teaching of the Church cannot be used to justify bigotry in any form. Adam Cardinal Mata expresses his opinion that the juridical juridical process used the Mata Commission hearing was fair to the defendants and capably handled. He joined with his fellow commissioners, Monsignor James Mulligan and Dr. Janet Smith, in the hope and prayer that Father Nugent and Sister Grammick can find the way to accept the decision of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Nugent and Grammick, who have just returned from Rome, see the CDF notification copy for the first time. Grammick announces she is taking a one-month leave of absence for a private retreat. July 22nd. Bishop Walter Sullivan, President of Pax Christi, issues press release calling upon NCCB, President Joseph Fiorenza, and the Catholic bishops to appeal the Vatican's judgment against Sister Gramic and Father Nugent by reason of the fact that the Holy See's negative assessment of their ministry to homosexuals runs counter to To the NCCB Administrative Board's pastoral, always our children. July. Doesn't have a date here. New Ways organizes a national letter-writing campaign to support Nugent and Grammick against the CDF's notification. July 23rd. Grammick issues her statement on the CDF judgment. The statement is reprinted and circulated by the Association for the Rights of Catholics in the Church. In the statement the nun tells her story about her early meeting of Dominic Bash. She also claims her right to privacy of con- of, of, pri- of privacy of conscience <clears throat> and states that she has tried to follow the common ground model of the late Cardinal Bernardine. She pleads with unhappy homosexual homosexuals and their families not to leave the church. August 10th, Grammick consults with the General Superior, Provincial, and General Council for the School Sisters of Notre Dame. September 23rd, Grammick thanks the SSND for their support. She states that her religious order evaluated her ministry to homosexuals in 1982 and 1985 and approved of it. She claims that the Mata Commission ignored her religious superiors and intruded upon her private beliefs. She also claims that SSND's gay and lesbian ministry is in line with the Constitution of of School Sisters of Notre Dame. She says that her order fights injustice. She tells the National Catholic Reporter that she will not defy the Vatican, but will work to have its decision overturned. October 22nd, Grammick speaks on her experience with the Vatican and her efforts to overturn the CDF on her ministry to homosexuals at DePaul University in Chicago. She says she's not only had support for New Ways from her own religious order, but also from the National Conference of Catholic Bishops. She said she attended the convention of the National Association of Catholic Diocesan Lesbian and Gay Ministry just four four days earlier. The School Sisters of Notre Dame create the fund for lesbian and gay ministry within the Baltimore province. All right, 2000. We're at the top of page 1071. January 30th, Grammick and Nugent address the San Diego and Los Angeles chapters of call to action of the Mother of Good Counsel Church. The event is part of Grammick's national tour to speak up against the ban by the CDF. May 23rd to 24th, Grammick and Nugent are ordered to Rome by the CDF. They are both served with a formal order of silence by their superiors. The original CDF directive of July 14, 1999, was expanded by their religious superiors in Rome to include speaking or writing about the ban or the ecclesiastical processes that led up to it, speaking or writing on matters related to homosexuality, protesting against the ban or encouraging the faithful to publicly express dissent, from the official magisterium and criticizing the magisterium in any public forum whatsoever concerning homosexuality or related issues. May 25th, Gramic responds to the silencing penalty with a public statement that opens with the line, Society hears the pain of battered women. She says that the Vatican has violated the principles of fair, judicial procedure as outlined in the catholic church's document justice in the world paragraph 45 i choose to obey the voice of god within me and in this instance the voice of god is saying that i should not collaborate with my own, with my own oppression Grammick is warned that she Gramick is warned that she could be dismissed from the school Sisters of Notre Dame. May 26th, the SSND provincial Sister Joan Burke in Baltimore states that Gramick will follow her conscience. May 30th, Nugent agrees to accept the decision of the CDF and express his intention to implement it accordingly. June 16th, Loretto Sister Maureen Fielder co-director of the Quixote Center, the parent group of New Ways, urges the superiors of the School Sisters of Notre Dame to stop cooperating with the Vatican. June 16th, Sister Joan Burke, SSND in Baltimore, states she will oversee the activities of Sister Grammick. Sister Rosemary Holworth, General Superior of the SSND in Rome, informs the Holy See that the School Sisters of Notre Dame will continue their ministry to gays and lesbians. September 16th, Grammick delivers a speech at Harvard College in Philadelphia on the place of silencing in the teaching of the church. All right, we're going to page 1072 at the top, uh, the year 2001. January 5th, Grammick publicly states that as an SSND nun she will not be silenced and that she will ignore the CDF sanctions of July 1999. She states that as January 5, 2001, she had not as yet received a formal warning of her superiors. Nugent says he has signed the profession of faith and will will ride things out. He says disciplinary actions and punishments die with the Pope, and they would have to be reconfirmed by a new administration. He is currently doing parish and adult education work. February 3rd, Grammick addresses a New Ways Conference at Christ the King Parish in Oakland, California. The conference is sponsored by Dignity, San Francisco, San Jose, and the local chapter of Call to Action, February 15th through the 25th. Grammick hosts a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and Egypt. During, oh, excuse me, May 6th, during Pride Fest America, a week-long celebration of gay and lesbian culture held in Philadelphia, Sister Grammick is given the Tom Stoddard National National Role Model Award as a tribute to her campaign for civil rights for homosexuals. August. Sister Janine Grammick announces that she has left the school, Sisters of Notre Dame, and has joined the Sisters of Laredo, based in Denver. The transfer spares the SSND from dismissing Grammick from their order. Gramick says her transfer to a new religious community makes the directive on silencing by her former SSND superior no longer valid. Sister Ann Coyle, former president of the Sisters of Laredo, states that Gramick's work fits with the order's mission of peace and justice. Asked what the Loretto Order will do if the Vatican tries again to silence Gramick, Coyle said, "We'll cross that bridge when we come to it." The Sisters of Loretto have set up a tax-deductible Sister Janine Gay Ministry Fund to help Gramick continue her pro-homosexual activities and New Ways has a campaign to raise funds to permit Grammick to continue her work. This, dear reader, is about where we came in 32 years. All right, there is final thoughts on the Grammick nugent affair at the bottom of 1,072. The notification by the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith on May 31, 1999 was absolutely correct in its condemnation and silencing of Sister Janine Gramig and Father Nugent. The problem is that it was too little and too late. <coughs> Excuse me, I have to grab a drink here. The damage is done, and it is both incalculable and, bar- barring a first-class miracle, irreparable. For many religious congregations already teetering on the brink of extinction after the fallout of the Second Vatican Council, the wide-scale homosexual colonization of male religious orders and the diocesan priesthood and the spread of lesbianism in convents and female religious orders fostered by new ways and other members of the homosexual collective in the Catholic Church has proven to be the final coup de grace. I would just like to add here that the, um, in the orders there is still evidence of homosexual collective in action. There are, of course, many lingering questions about the whole affair, beginning with the Mata Commission and its utter lack of competent research and investigation into the backgrounds of Grammick and Nugent and their New Ways apostolate, which the Commission praised in a number of sections in the report. The Commission report quotes a number of errors found in Grammick and Nugent's building bridges, but it failed to recognize the essential fact that New Ways is a political organization and not a religious one. The Commission ignored the burning question, to what and to whom are Sister Gramick and Father Nugent building bridges? Why should the Church seek to build bridges to the most perverse of all vices, and to homosexual collective that is distinguished solely by the promotion and practice of that vice. In short, the Mata Commission report was an affront to the many faithful Catholics who have been battling against New Ways and its founders for more than 30 years. The Holy See's investigation was little better than that of the Mata Commission, even though the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith reached the correct decision in the end. The formal contestio, erroneous and dangerous propositions in the public building bridges and voices of hope, and the notification from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith regarding Sister Janine Gramick, SSND, and Father Robert Nugent, SDS, Contain numerous ill-advised concessions to the homosexual collective within and without the church, there remains of course the sixty four thousand dollar question as to why only Sister Gramick and Father Nugent were told to make the profession of faith after all, from one from day one, they were egged on and supported by their respective superiors of the school sisters of Notre Dame and the Salvatorians. They had the active support of at least 19 American bishops and the NCCB-USCC. Their case was argued before the Mada Commission by well-known supporters of the homosexual collective, including the no- notorious Father Bruce Williams, OP, who teaches at the Angelicum in Rome and has actively supported gay rights. Why were these prelates and religious superiors deprived of the honor of also signing the profession of faith? In fact, given the current state of crisis in the universal church, why are not all seminarians, clergy and religious, at the time of their ordination, as well as all bishops, cardinals and laymen, in positions of higher education in Catholic universities and college, required to make the profession of faith? Let the signers think of it as a replacement for the oath against modernism of St. Pius X that Pope Paul IV discarded. No, better yet, let them take both. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that's just me talking. Um, This tribute to Randy Randy Ingalls and um, preserving her voice, which has been shelved. The books have been shelved. And... um, you know, it is my hope that in seminaries that these books will um, be given a voice and um, become part of the seminarians um, teachings and uh, their education. So we are actually finishing there's um, all kinds of uh, bibliography notes here at the end of this book and an index. Um, I really do remind you that you know yeah she this is a five-volume series and um you know in our church the homosexual network is alive and well and um unfortunately um you know when i say that um you know that it is still alive and well we've seen it in dear father cohen in the Gaylor diocese we've seen it with um what we call father bigbeard in uh in our diocese in lansing um and, um, and we, we've just seen over and over again that this, this kind of thing still continues where it, um, the network you know, fights for the rights of priests who are homosexuals, but um, the actual doctrine of the faith is not being upheld or taught. And it, it appears, you know, when you look at it, <clears throat> what, are the, what are the virtues that we should be upholding rather than the vice of um, homosexual behavior? So, um, with that, let's get on with um, our teaching today. You know, we have, in the Catholic faith, um, what we call the general means of perfection. You know, first we have um, the observance of our commandments of God and the Church. And then we have the general means of perfection. And for those of you who don't know um, what perfection means, and when I first started reading about perfection long ago, I had no idea. It means, the general means of perfection means to grow in holiness. Each one of us, as Christians, as Catholics, we are called to to um, grow in holiness. So um, here are the general means of perfection. And this comes from Bishop Louise laver Moreau, STD, My Catholic Faith, page 358. First of all, faithfulness in small things, self-control and self-denial, order and regularity, a habit of prayer, a frequent recourse to solitude, reading spiritual books, frequentation of the sacraments, These are the general means of perfection because they are suited to everyone in every state and condition of life. I love that. So um, I got a little little more here. I was going to go over uh, the first two, anyways, of the general means for perfection. Uh, This is um, the general means for the attainment of perfection. This is found, um, you can Google, the bellarmineforum.org and a look up the general means for the attainment of perfection. So here we go. Fidelity in small things. By this greater, by this greater graces are obtained and grave sins more easily avoided. So faithful in small things. That's so important. In the natural order we see how great things are evolved out of what is apparently insignificant. How small the acorn is, and yet it contains the germ of a mighty oak. So it is in the spiritual order. Pay heed, therefore, to small things. Do not despise even the least. Be careful to avoid every untrue word, every word that may give offense. Never utter lightly the name of God. To him who is faithful in small things, God gives great graces. To him our Lord says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have fast because you have fast been faithful over a few things, I will place thee over many things. That's from Matthew uh, twenty three twenty one. He who, on the other hand, is faithful in small things, loses many graces and is punished by God. Moses was not permitted to enter the promised land because he doubted God's promise and Zacharias, Zacharias was struck dumb for his incredulity. Oh my goodness, this, I, I get tongue twisted on some things. Um, but I did want to say that is from Matthew 25 verse 21, not, not Matthew 23. Okay. Um, at any reason, um at that last sentence, there um Moses was not permitted to enter the promised land because he doubted God's promise, and Zacharias was struck dumb for his um disbelief. Many of the saints were deprived from of consolations and visited by er, arity, aridity because of slight faults. I'm also reminded as I'm reading this um yesterday I, was listening to a EWTN uh, Mother Angelica series, and it was on, um, you know, us using our talents. And I am reminded here that, um, you know, she talked about uh, Zacharias being struck dumb, you know, and she was talking about um, how never say no to an angel. When an angel appears to you, say yes, say yes. I, I loved that. So, um, you know, as as our, our our Virgin Mother Mary, I mean, she said, "Be it done unto me." When Angel Gabriel, she did not she did not waver. She she was so strong in her faith and so full of grace that she just knew the Lord. And uh, when the angel appeared to her, she did what the angel said, without a thought. And so, where Zacharias went wrong. And Zacharias, for those of you who don't know, is um, was to be the father uh, in his old age with Elizabeth, his wife, for the father of um, St. John the Baptist. Many of the saints were deprived of consolations and visited by aridity because of slight faults. He who is faithful in small things is not likely to fall into heinous sins. For our Lord says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is greater. And he that is unjust in that which is little is unjust also in that which is greater. So that is in Luke. Let's see. I don't know how to read that one because it's in Roman numerals. It's XVI, and it's the 10th verse. Hence, whoever is attentive to small things makes rapid progress in virtue. If thou wouldst become great, says St. Augustine, the fl- uh, St. Augustine, begins with that which is little. I'm going to read that one more time. If thou wouldst become great, says St. Augustine, begin with that which is little. Grands of sand form a mountain. A number of trees make a forest. He that cometh, that contempteth, small things shall fall by little and little. Ecclesiastes 19.1 uh, Little infidelities to grace often cause great mischief and embitter a man's whole life. A spark will occasion a vast conflagration. For those of you who don't know what conflagration is, um, I had to look it up. So it is... Uh, It's a very intense fire. Um, You all probably know that, but, you know, (laughs) I'm weak in these kind of things. Okay. A spark will occasion a vast conflagration. A small leak will cause a ship to founder. So it is with small sins. Judas began with purloining and ended by becoming a traitor and a suicide. Cain first gave way to jealousy and then slew his brother, Contempt of trifles shows secret pride. All right, number two, and this is the habit of self-control, which is the second means to perfection. We should not encourage curiosity. And I took this to mean, because it did throw me, I took this to mean not encourage curiosity in things that are not good for us, nor stare out of windows. We should avoid useless or loud talking, refrain from complaining of the weather or of our health, from eating between our meals, from finding fault with that with what is provided for us, from too long indul- indulgence in sleep, from eagerness to join in conversation, from speaking of ourselves, from contradicting others. These and simil- similar acts of mortification cost no great effort. I was just thinking in ourself, this is Trise talking that you know in our our self absorbed society um how many times you know we have to be right, no matter what, even if we're wrong, even if truth tells us different, we have to be right, and we will fight that to the end. That's all for self love, okay, the saints practice far more severe ones. But in this, they are not to be imitated by all. St. John the Baptist led a life of extreme self-denial. Paul says of himself, I chastise my body and bring it into subjection, lest perhaps when when have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. That's in 1 Corinthians um, number 9. 27. Self-control is a sort of abstinence. It is far more profitable than merely abstaining from food. He who can rule himself is a king, for instead of being led captive by his passions, he dominates them. Self-conquest is the mark of a true Christian. Our Lord says, if any man follow me, let him deny himself. That's in Mark, In it's v i i i 34 that is to say he that will be my disciple <clears throat> must practice self-abnegation st paul also says that they that are christ have been crucif- have crucified their flesh with the vices and cu- 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 and that's in galatians um 5:24 a fish that is alive swims against the current a dead one is carried along by it hence you can easily ascertain whether you have the life of spirit in you or whether you are dead <coughs> ask yourself whether you stem the tide <coughs> of your sinful desires or if you are carried away by it you know when you think of today you know and you know um the church uh i can't blame the church because the doctrine is all there everything is there but the silence by bishops and by church leaders and and the um the homilies that we get these days um you know are not um they're just not teaching what the church really demands of us you know how often do you hear a habit of self-control you know as a way um to grow in holiness, we don't hear these things, we don't hear any of this, and um, you know we need to get back to some of these things um that we're always you know and and we begin, we have learned that <clears throat> we are we are experiencing that no one seems to know what the real truth is anymore. I remember when I was younger, um I was told by I think it was a therapist that I was seeing said to me that it's okay to white lie, and you know I took that as gospel now, I wasn't in the church then I had been away from the church, and I took that as as gospel, okay you know if i if I white lie then i'm I'm saving others' face no, um, and I came across this, so I'm going to stop here for a second just to just to digress, but I came across this again in the bell, bell bellarmine forum um Another article uh, that's called um, "Here You Go." I'm going to read this uh, from Christer Mannion from Under the Rebel. Hail to the Dictators. This is posted on November 2nd, 2013. But the comment here that I think really says, "When you don't tell the person the truth, um, you know we've gotten so that we can't say anything that's truthful because we're going to hurt the person." But here's here's what is said: the best way of treating people with dignity is to tell them the truth. They need to learn the truth. People need to know what's expected of them. Um, We are going to be judged someday. And by us not telling the truth, we become part of that lie. Okay, so white lies are not good. All right, otherwise you're gonna be carried away by lies. By the practice of self-control, the understanding is enlightened, the will strengthened, and the soul finds peace. We have a law in our members, meaning our body. We have a law in our members fighting against the law of our mind. Romans V.I.I. 23 Our, our members that are upon the earth must accord, accordingly be mortified. That's from Colossians 3.5 The flesh is continually at war with the spirit, and we must continually be at warfare with the flesh. He who does all that is allowed will soon proceed to do what is not allowed. That's St. Augustine. And that's what I hope all of you take and meditate on, doing all that is allowed. What happens? You know, I mean, God gives us freedom of choice. We have freedom of choice. Yes, we can do whatever. We can choose it. But is it what God wants? And I think if you go back to the the Ten Commandments, you know what God wants. And if you look at the Beatitudes in the New Testament, you know what God wants. We are to grow in holiness. And we can't be doing that if we're no self-denial, no turning towards God and looking at what he wants. Okay, But if we deny ourselves what is lawful, it will be easy for us to abstain from what is unlawful. The most perfect among us will fall into sin if he ceases to practice self-denial as a field that is uncultivated produces a crop of weeds. Self-control enlightens the understanding. All that we deny to our carnal senses is repaid a hundredfold to our spiritual senses. Let us, says St. Basil, stifle our fleshy desires in order that our spiritual sense may become keener and our interior vitality and peace be augmented. Self-control fortifies the will. If the will be strong, carnal impulses are quickly subdued and the temptations of the devil easily overcome. Mortify yourselves in matters that are apparently of little moment; you will thereby learn to conquer where great things are at stake. The mortified man is like an oak, which is will which will break but will not bend. The unmortified is like a reed shaken with the mind or I'm sorry shaken with the wind. The mortified man is like an oak which will break but will not bend. The unmortified is like a reed shaken with the wind. That's in Matthew uh, nine uh, verse seven. By self-control we acquire true peace of mind. There is no quiet in a house the door of which stands open to all comers, and there is no peace in the soul, if the senses are not kept in custody. Our disorderly affections are like a storm at the sea. At sea, they raise a tempest in the soul and perturb the mind. But if you know how to command the winds of passion, a marvelous peace and great calm will ensue. He who for the love of God has renounced all carnal lusts will enjoy the sweetest consolations of the Holy Spirit. He who is master of himself will not easily be provoked to wrath. Self-control is the parent of meekness and patience. Now that is, um, wow, you know, that's powerful. I know for myself and, you know, my growing up the mountain of holiness, um, I have a lot of work to do. I am a sinner and... Um, Daily, daily, I have to talk to God throughout the day to give me the grace, to give me the grace to see when I am sinning so I know and so I can change my ways to recognize it. You know, in this world that we, this secular world that we live in and our children are growing up in and I grew up in, you know, I just have to mention that, you know, um, I don't want to get into a long drawn out thing here, but, you know, when you, you know, in my family, there was divorce. You know, um, my mother, who I dearly love, and um, she was many more things, but she was an alcoholic, you know, and, and after the divorce, you know, there was there was many things that as children we grew up with, and um, things that we, you know, all of a sudden we didn't know what was true, and we, we left the church, and it has been a long, long struggle for me to come back to the church, and I have many sins. I have... You know, and I am constantly at work with learning how to know the truth. And, um, you know, I just give, you know, kudos to parents who are raising their children in the church and teaching them. I, unfortunately, um, my husband and I tried to to start going back to the Catholic Church when we were raising his boys and mine. And um, at that time, we weren't ready and we fell away from the church uh, but God continues to work in, in souls that seek him. Seek him with all you can and never think that your sins are so much that God will not forgive you. Uh, and he knows, he knows, he knows the um, the heart. He knows what's in our hearts and teaches us as we go along. Sometimes he chastises us and sometimes it's very painful finding those truths. But continue on that road to holiness, um, that mountain to holiness. Just like, um, you know, it said in this uh, article I just read that you know a grain of sand, added to it every day, can become a mountain. And so that's the way we look at it. We just start out being um, faithful in small things. So with that, let's end with a prayer today. And this is from our breviary again for today, and I thought it was very fitting for a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make our work today benefit our brothers and sisters, that with them and for them we may build an earthly city pleasing to you. Grant us joy and peace to us and to all that we meet this day. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God bless you all and see you next time.